Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, it's me, Mike Schubert, the host of this podcast, who forgot to bring his fancy microphone equipment over to Kelly's parents' house where he is staying for the night, but it's Sunday night, so you got to do the recording anyway. What happens when you forget to bring over your fancy microphone? You get a lower quality sounding intro to this podcast. Before we continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. Real short and sweet, we've got lots Live shows happening throughout August and September and October for Pot Tour Less. If you go to PotterlessPodcast.com slash live, you can get tickets right now. So if you live in New York, Pittsburgh, Columbus, Grand Rapids, Chicago, Philadelphia, Boston, or Salt Lake City, you can get tickets to see me do a live show in your city. And again, that website is PotterlessPodcast.com slash live. And of course, I want to thank the newest members of our team over at Patreon.com slash Potterless who are supporting the show and keeping it going. So shout out to Emma Lee, F Money, Kate, Wen Laws, and Rachel Berman, and a huge shout-out to our newest producer-level patron, Tof Baifong. They join the ranks of Vicky, Christine, Aaron, Clow, Marchismo, Juan, Rosemarie, Marie, Elisa, Audra, Eleanor, Nikita, Rachel, Alex, John, Noel, Claire, Rory, Veronica, Lada, Noah, Jennifer, Justin, Jacob, Maya, Polly, Zena, Harlan, Nikki, Kine, Sarah, Marta, Flor, Skyla, Adele, Professor Threat, Ellie, Michael, Kelly, Kerry, Connie, Jen, Nedry, Will, Marike, Ashton, Brittany, Phelan, The Meadows Family, Ginny, Heather, Kevin, Jarl, Pita, Callahan, Bella, Melanie, Rees, Joseph, Madison, Tonks, Sabrina, Sophia, Farzan, Melanie, Matt, Okamahime, Pony Pony, Kelsey, Rike, Taylor, Megan, Riley, Laurel, Erica, Kendra, Natanya, Yogan, Darcy, Sandra, Craig, Demi, Michelle, Henrika, Casey, Megan, Jack, Stain, Little, Elaria, Gregory, Cockhaw, Ribbon, Jack, Serenity, Haley, Sabrina, Jenny, Eileen, Annette, Hufflepuff, Brett, Mary, Artemis, Samantha, Nina, Tatiana, Karis, Vomit Spiders, Punkfish, Wire Warrior, Joe, Michael, Maya, Jasmine, Neely, Tate, Sam, Sam, Adriana, John, Jody, Dunna, Nosh, Emma, El, Sean, Greg, Matthew, Ping, Vinacek, Nani, Emma, Steamed Nuggets, and Kurt, Hi, Potter, who never forget to bring over their recording equipment from their parents' house to their wife's parents' house, even though they know that they needed to record the intro and the ad reads for this episode of Potterless, but it's Sunday, and you gotta get the episode out Monday, so now you're using your iPhone like a dweeb. If you wanna be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to bonus episodes, monthly live streams, exclusive merchandise, and more, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 182 of Potterless, our second of four episodes about the Lego Harry Potter video games guest starring Eric Skull. internet and welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a 29-year-old man who never read the Harry Potter series as a kid. He read them as an adult. He played a lot of video games as a kid, but not this video game. My name is Mike Schubert. I'm that grown man, and we are continuing our discussion of Lego Harry Potter years one through four. We'll be talking about years two through four, and I am joined again by veteran Potter podcaster Eric Skull. Eric, how's it going? Hey, hey, good to be here. I really loved our part one discussion on this Lego game, which is like one of the best Harry Potter video games you can get. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to continue the discussion. But before we get into the actual plot stuff, something we didn't touch on as much in the first episode that you wanted to make sure we got to is more than just the story elements to this game, but all of the extras in terms of cheat codes and, and other ways to play. Do you want to take some time to explain why you love those added 
things so much? Yeah, so there's there's one thing, you know, replayability in video games is something that you either have it or you don't. There has to be some kind of incentive because there's a lot of collectibles that can be found in the world to go back and to find those things. And I think really with the Lego games, you know, this is true now. It was also true in 2010 when this game came out. And they really managed to... Every major achievement in this game, you get a gold brick for. Every time you get true wizard in a level by collecting all the money slash studs. Mm-hmm. Every time you learn a new spell, that's a gold brick. And so on and so forth. So there's 200 of those. There's only 24 levels uh, or 24 main mission type things. But every student in peril, every you know different thing that you can do is a gold brick. And there are, like I said, 200 of those. So it really just speaks to the kind of cram-packed nature. And it's not always easy to get those bricks. And in fact, there's unlockables that are basically cheat codes, but it's not entering code. You have to find basically a parcel, a red like little mailbox, and then you have to carry it somewhere else in the level to Hedwig. And he's just in some of the main, or she's in some of the main areas. These are really difficult to unlock. You have to be really good at puzzling to find these things. But things like the score multiplier make it really worth your while where you really wish that you could find some of these because it makes replayability and gameplay that much better. And also when you're collecting characters, there's like three or four per level to play as in free play mode. You've unlocked them, but you still also have to pay for them. This is where all the smashing that we talked about in <laughs> you know the, the first part of this discussion comes in. All the stud collecting and all the smashing. Why it's worth it is, you know, each of these characters cost between ten thousand studs and like almost a million studs. I think one of the one or two characters. I don't know if it's Dumbledore, but like... Yeah, who's the most expensive character? I kind of want to look it up. I'd have to look it up. There have to be... I'm sure there's a a how-to on it. But uh, but yeah, the characters that are the most expensive are the ones kind of like you'd expect. Dark Wizards is another thing because there are so many... Even in like the first level, you start seeing this red glowing aura. And it takes forever to get your first dark character. But there are so many unlockables that you can get just by taking a dark character through a level is absurd but there you know there's some unlockables and there's some strategy involved in going back through that i find is almost even a more rewarding experience than playing through during story mode so i want to make sure we just kind of talked about that and you mentioned that the you know the cheats that you can get like big head mode you know <laughs> carrot wands yeah. <laughs> uh, is a good one disco there you know there's tons of that and then there's also, because this game does spells, you can also buy separate spells that are either in the books and pulled from the pages of the books that weren't like the main spells that you need to beat the game with. Yeah. Like my go-to replacement for Expelliarmus right now is Reductum Skullis, <laughs> and it shrinks people's head. Total nod to the shrunken heads in movie three, I'm sure. But yeah, augmented gameplay, but it doesn't feel as it does in so many games, like diminishing returns. It's not that at all. It's very much, you get more, it's increasing returns basically (laughs) on your investment. The more time you spend in this game, the more you love this game or the more you can get out of it. And that's extremely unique in games as far as I'm concerned. And I am a lifelong gamer. And it really goes to the team at TT and especially this guy named Arthur Parsons, who was the game director of the first Lego Harry Potter 1 through 4 and Lego Harry Potter 5 through 7. The reason I know a lot about this game behind the scenes is because I got to interview him 
Whoa. like 10 years ago, and it's actually on an episode of MuggleCast. I would recommend the transcript, just Google MuggleCast transcript 243. It's about 10 minutes into the episode if you do listen, but it's all details about how many characters, what their thought process was, why there are spells, why there's classes, how it's different from Indiana Jones and Batman and all these other games. And it's just a really super cool dude that once again will show you how much they loved the Harry Potter series and getting to play in and create this world. Yeah, it's really fun. And I did just look it up. The most expensive character, of course, is Voldemort. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how much is he? It didn't list the price. I just found a YouTube video that listed the 10 most expensive Lego Harry Potter unlockable characters. Oh, gosh. And Voldemort was like three of any Lego game that exists. So I would assume he's the most expensive in the game. I think Lily and James Potter are there too. Like there's some ones that you really want, like Lily Potter, James Potter, you know, ones that are like ancillary, like, but yeah, you want to play as them. I think Peeves is another big one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I really appreciate it. Devoting some time at the top here just to talk about, you know, that whole journey and, and what else there is to do in the game. I know we are really enjoying going through the cutscenes, and that was really all else I had to say. Otherwise, it's just the more you put in, the more you get out. Definitely. And there's really fun free play bonus modes. You go into a vault in Gringotts and you get and do all these bonus levels and oh, stuff yeah. to unlock stuff. Bonus levels, build mode, like building your own level at Hogwarts. Like these are things that, I mean, you were talking about MLB The Show. Doesn't the latest The Show have a ballpark creator? Yeah, you can make a stadium, which is really fun. Yeah, that's, that's a feature that is still so relevant and so sought after. And they did it for Lego Harry Potter. It's cool, especially because the Lego games that I played growing up were just the building ones for the most part mm -hmm. where you just made stuff. I was a big fan. I think it was just called Lego Creator yeah. and you just made stuff and then you could play with the worlds you built in, especially if you had vehicles, you can then drive them around. I was a big fan of building a helicopter, flying it really high, and then you could put TNT in it so you could then explode <laughs> and then you could do first person view of the pilot so then you basically are skydiving with a lego guy that was that was eight-year-old mike's jam that's basically like what people did with sim city when you make a tornado attack yeah, or whatever. yeah, yeah. it's just like you know it's the same thing but but yeah for kids i love that i love that so much mm -hmm. you could also make armies like old school medieval armies have a war against each other and they would oh, shoot man. bow and arrows and sword fights and stuff well i got my first lego game was lego island for pc oh classic my best friend in across street neighbor had it and we would play oh, all the time yeah. shout out to pepper i mean uh, yeah pepper oh my god pepper and and that song is still stuck in my head you can build a mountain if you do it brick by brick but <laughs> even just talking about the customization of the car color that was pretty much the only thing you could change they've come a long way between that and like now you can even it, it, did you know in lego harry potter's one through four you play as custom characters i didn't even know that yeah it's in madame malkin's if you go upstairs there's like a scroll wheel actually it's it's a bit ah. like a horror movie because they're all on curtain racks, but they're uh. actual like people. Uh. I know if you can get past the <laughs> body horror of having these like corpses, like Lego corpses, you can actually, I think it's designed up to like 24 different characters, each with different names. And, you know, you play as them when you do like the polyjuice thing in the game and you can play them in the main game just like you could anybody else. That is super fun. I'm going to go and do that. <laughs> but let's continue our discussion going through the actual story mode, the years, the cutscenes themselves. So for year two, it opens with the Dursleys yelling at Harry and there's a big no wand sign in the house. Your classic like no smoking sign, but instead of a cigarette with the circle on the line through, it's a wand. So that's how they are conveying no magic. And Dudley also looks great. Looks nice and suave. Yeah. I'm clearly attracted to Lego people. When Harry goes upstairs later on, you've got the 
Dobby scene that we all know and I didn't love when I read it. I was so annoyed by Dobby early on. But Vernon, his way of entertaining the guests isn't just talking or dinner partying. He is doing karaoke for his guests, which I think is a great ad. Yeah, it definitely adds more personality to Vernon and, you know, kind of shows almost a more personal, like, I don't want anybody interrupting when I'm doing karaoke. Like, so when it goes awful, (laughs) it's like, man, you ruined my song. It's almost, you know what it is? It's the Jigglypuff scene where it's like anytime Ah. somebody like, she realizes they've fallen asleep and is just like extra hurt about it because she really put all her soul into that performance. Exactly, exactly. It explains why, you know, the next scene, the next cut scene, there's like a four alarm prison. Oh, in, in, yes. You know, not just bars on the windows, but like barbed wire. And yes. that might be an overreaction, but I mean, he was singing. So come on, I get it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Before then you have the cake hitting the guest, but instead of just falling on top of the woman's head, it's a pie in the face type situation, which is a recurring thing throughout these cutscenes of this game. And Dudley does start eating the cake off of the the woman guest, which is very fun. Yeah. So when, as you said, Vernon goes to lock Harry up, it's not just bars on the windows. There's a chain link fence. There's barbed wires. There's multiple barbed wires where it's on the top of the fence and also down the entire side of the house. It looks like a full-on prison fortress, and it's hilarious. And I really think it happened in the first one, but I noticed it much more in 2, 3, and 4. It felt like, okay, now that we've done the first movie, now let's really up the bit level of the jokes we make. And it feels like the cutscenes in these later movie things in this first game just really played within the space and had a lot more fun. And they just started adding more and more things. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it definitely, you know, the first one, maybe they were feeling the stress or had to devote some of the time to kind of the more simple level designs because that also has increased. Yeah. So when Ron comes to pick you up with the flying car, it's just Ron, no Fred and George. And when he rips off the bars, he doesn't just rip the bars off of Harry's window. He rips off basically the entire front facing wall of the second floor of the home. <laughs> uh, just like the whole brick level is just completely out. They did not glue their Legos down. No, they That's... did not. Didn't get that spray glue on it. So Ron flies Harry to the burrow. What I appreciate in the burrow and some people have sent me screenshots of this before is that it's got the Lego basketball hoop at the burrow, which is a fun addition. And also I had that Lego basketball hoop set where you have a little guy that you put the ball in his hands and you flick him back with the spring Uh and you try to shoot hoops. And then there's a guy that tries to block him. A really fun Lego set. And I love that this outside thing that did not take place in Harry Potter, purely just a Lego joke for Lego people. And it was really funny and of course I loved it because it was basketball yeah and you can throw uh, gnomes you can toss gnomes through the basketball hoop and you get a point oh you in the game yeah it, yeah the studs <gasps> come out and it's one of it's if it's one of uh, five gnomes and then you get a character I forget what character I think it's uh, Arthur or something this is great I'm learning so much about the little extra stuff and now I'm gonna go back and 100% every level with all of this you extra better. knowledge I feel like you're a human version of one of those big guide books that I would buy for PlayStation 1 oh, how God, to get no, all the well, secret gems in Crash Bandicoot which that uh, I love Crash Bandicoot but yeah, um, it's just one of those things where sometimes it makes a lot of sense, like the character that you'll get, like there's a main area where you can um, pick up a broom and go through some hoops. Who's the character you get as a reward? Oliver Wood. Of course. You know, sometimes it's like a generic character and you're like, I did that for that. But when it's not, it's not. And you know, and then you're like, oh, this feels like a special love letter that was sealed with a kiss and delivered personally to me on embroidered special paper, like heavyweight, you know, you pay an extra 30 cents a sheet for it and delivered just to me as a Harry Potter fan in my brain. That is the liminal space. That is where these 
Harry Potter games exist for me, these Lego ones. So fun. I also think it'd be fun if the character you unlock for the basketball thing is just Michael Jordan. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be fun. (laughs) So when Harry is flu powdering from the Weasley's place to Diagon Alley, he bounces off all the sides of the chimney to show that he did the wrong thing. (laughs) And when you get to Borgen and Burks, you have the classic Lego skeleton that I knew and loved from my King Arthur medieval castle set, which I was like my first real huge big boy Lego set that I bought with my own money from babysitting and umpiring in fifth grade. And it was uh, it was a big, big deal for me to get that castle, build it all, get all the fun pieces. What a time. So when Harry does the thing where he grabs the creepy hand, yeah. it, <laughs> it rips off his Lego hand, which is very funny. It comes popping off and then it throws it at his face. <laughs> Which, like, if you think too much about it, terrifying. But because he's a Lego, it's all okay. Your arms pop out all the time. Well, that reminds me of how it really actually is in the magical, in the Wizarding World and Harry Potter, too. You know, they're regrowing bones. Like, I know Madame Pomfrey doesn't love it. She's like, just mending bones is easier. But regrowing bones overnight, come on. Human beings never regrow. Like, Mm -hmm. it just never... If you break a bone in real life, it will never be the same. It will grow back kind of off. It fuses with other bone. It's just not a real thing. The human body doesn't do that. Magic, it fixes it. So the Lego aspect of having lost his hand and just plopping it back in and everything is fine and it's fully functional, fully articulation, everything is a lot more similar to what it's actually like to be a human in the wizarding world than it is to be a human in the muggle world. This Lego is like a perfect way to showcase that all that bouncing Harry did or or anything, it didn't kill him, not because he's plastic, but because he's also a wizard and mm-hmm. magic protects. So continuing their journey through Diagon Alley, we come across to Lockhart, who is perfectly sexy, <laughs> does a great job, very suave, <laughs> nice hair, good looking Lego dude. And when you have the scene with Lucius and Arthur and Tom Riddle's diary in there, there's a very creepy cover on it. And I didn't get it at first as to what this logo was, but it's the old man Salazar Slytherin face that is from the chamber, just printed really big on the outside of the book. I guess to very much drive the point home without words what this diary represents. Yeah, that's a, that's a bit of a stretch. I, I, they kind of relied a little heavily on the movie here. In the book, Salazar Slytherin is just being described as monkey-like. And I think it was maybe Stuart Craig who did a lot of the sets, designed this whole Slytherin statue where they did that. It's monkey-like. But in terms of a shorthand, that was the best they could do without dialogue to show that this is Slytherin, that is his book, you know, his heir, his heir's personal diary. Bit of a stretch, but I guess it pays off if you don't really care. For sure. Now, when we get to King's Cross, the rest of the Weasleys to go through Platform 9 and 3 quarters have a conga line going, keeping our Lego conga line theme intact. They go through, Ron and Harry fail to go through, and Dobby laughs. So again, plot twists are just thrown out the door. We know exactly who's behind stuff while it is happening. When they can't get onto the Hogwarts Express, Ron pulls out a key, and it has a Ford Anglia Lego keychain on the end of it. (laughs) So that is how they get to Hogwarts. They fly in the car, and later on, we've got Lockhart's class and what I noticed the pixies were of an interesting design yeah they looked muscular which was a bit (laughs) off-putting the pixies are very off-putting yeah but I guess the pixies are off-putting in general but they it looks like they've been putting in some work at the gym 
you do get some fun bits with the pixie. One of them steals Gilderoy's hair off of his head and then plops it back on his head sideways just because, you know, he's a Lego person and Lego hair is detachable. Exactly. The squad is then following along the spiders. And when you have the writing on the wall, instead of using letters of the whole air, Slytherin, blah, 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 it is just creepy face logo that was on the diary and then an open vault. So very much Kevin from The Office. Why Why use many <laughs> words when two picture do same thing? Yeah. So just two images gets the point across. This is where I felt like if you didn't know the story of Sorcerer's Stone, you'd be very confused. This felt a bit more in-jokey. Yeah, yeah. My, I, I would agree there. Of course, there is also the frozen Mrs. Norris and Draco, Crab, and Goyle come in and they sneer at the squad. Then Phil Dumbledore and Lockhart approach, but also Fox is there and he's just flying behind Dumbledore. Big ol' orange Lego bird. <laughs> Lego bird. I love that. Little little preemptive uh, story bit there. Remember, remember him? He did uh, you know, like. Yeah, I guess you gotta lay the groundwork for when he shows up later because in all the other cutscenes, there's no Fox yep. showing up. So I guess they just found a way to shoehorn him in earlier. So you've got the Quidditch scene with the evil bludger. And at one point, the evil bludger knocks Lockhart ice cream out of his hand into McGonagall's face. So again, another slapstick pie in the face moment. That's a good one. Hermione then sees Dobby messing with it. So plot twist just completely gone. The rest of the scene follows just like the movie with all the Skelliger, all that kind of stuff. But when you are in the hospital wing, Madame Humphrey does elbow Gilderoy Lockhart out of the way after she realizes that he has failed to regrow the arm. And I like the additionally sassy Madame Pomfrey. Absolutely. And again, they have to, you know, turn everything up to 11 a little bit to showcase because no dialogue. But yeah, there's no time for subtlety at a time like this. Madame Pomfrey's got a job to do. It's like, you know, slay, destroy it all. She also has all the adult spells. None of the other characters, like, Mm. up to this point, you haven't learned, like, Reducto and stuff and Transfiguration. And that comes into play because you can play as her for this moment. But yeah, she, you know, she has students to, you know what it is. This Lego character is the exact personality that you read about when there's like 15 people in the wing and she's like, no, get out. There's too many people in here. Like, it's that attitude. It just, there was no time for that in the movie. Yeah, I was always disappointed that the badassery of Madame Pomfrey never came through into the movies because basically all plot stuff around her just kind of gets shoved aside. So to have that book element of Madame Pomfrey when she's just yelling at everybody and is constantly disappointed, I appreciated that that came through in the game because I think Madame Pomfrey is really underrated because I really do feel like of all of the jobs that you could have as a healer in Great Britain, being the Hogwarts school healer is got to be number one because you've got a bunch of people learning magic for the first time. That is top surgeon general number one role. Has to be it because I feel like the amount of injury per capita at Hogwarts has to be astronomically high. Absolutely. you na- No, you nailed it. Madame Pomfrey's skills are just uncontainable. Mm-hmm. Getting back to students in peril that you collect, like that is such a, you know, this game really touched on just how chaotic Hogwarts is. In energy. Oh, yes. So feel bad for Pomfrey, but she looks good. She looks like she's, you know, competent, able to get it done. Agreed. Later on, you've got the dueling class. Snape defeats Lockhart. Harry, in the game, you have to defeat Draco. After the dueling class, you have the beginnings of the Polyjuice Potion stuff. So in the cutscene, you see the floating cupcakes move. What I really appreciated about Crab and Goyle is that they didn't really try to make them look like movie Crab and Goyle. They just look like such classic standard Lego guys. Yeah. The classic flat top hair and the classic bowl cut hair. I just appreciated that for those two characters. They just said, ah, screw it. They're just going to be 
generic Lego dudes. Absolutely. And 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 that's the other thing I noticed. There are no brunette male like it's or they just decided to make a lot of them just black hair Mm -hmm. i think that i think that kind of holds true to lego people i I guess they do have some of the brown hairs but i do feel like black hair is very prominent in lego pieces also when you see big scenes of the great hall and stuff they do a very good job of red hair representation (laughs) it's not just the weasleys there's other kids with red hair yeah (laughs) <laughs> so you've got the bathroom polyjuice scene and the way that Harry and Ron are disguised as Crab and Goyle, it's just the regular Harry Lego with Crab slash Goyle's hair on top of his hair. Oh. And then Ron is the same. So they look exactly the same. They just have an extra hair piece on top of their head. It's so ridiculous. This is like not even like two Lego bits stacked on top of each other in a trench coat. It's literally just <laughs> their hair is the next. It's amazing. It's so well done. A lot of the jokes like this remind me of Puffs where you do something and it feels like a quote unquote low budget humor joke, but it gets the point across and it just becomes funny with how low effort <laughs> yeah. the the joke is, but it perfectly conveys what it needs to convey. Because you get right away, oh, I get it, it's the polyjuice, but yep. wow, that was a very simple solution. <laughs> now, Hermione is her cat counterpart yeah. and it looks just as creepy as the movie version. Yep. Lego cat Hermione, terrifying. <laughs> then later on, you get Hermione getting petrified by the basilisk and the basilisk looks so... So cool. The Lego Basilisk is great, and I appreciate what some of the villains with the Basilisk, and you get this with the Dark Mark later on. It is not just a plastic mold snake. It is a snake made up of a bunch of small Lego pieces, which you will see when you have these creative people that just make these big Lego statues, and you're just... And I just think, how does someone without instructions think to make all of that? I'm very much an engineering type person with Legos. Give me the pieces. Give me the instructions. I make the thing. People that organically just make stuff is really impressive. So this snake just looks so cool. It looks so cool. And we have no reason to believe that snake wouldn't actually have been built with Lego parts conceptually. And in the, you know, like I know it's animated here, but you can build all that. Yeah, you could definitely make it. You could 100% replicate it. So Hermione gets petrified. Ron and Harry then later on visit her in the hospital wing. And One question that I had, I don't know if this joke is just going over my head. What was the pink thing that she was holding and then Myrtle is holding later? It looks almost like a faucet. I was very confused. There, It could have been a faucet because there's definitely faucets like in the game, faucet pieces. Yeah. I'm trying to think because it, it, yeah, I'm I'm not clear because they they have a lot of, they pulled a lot of things of Hermione. She's got the drawing of the basilisk of the snake and then she's also got, she doesn't have the book at some point. Yeah, there's just a lot of stuff with Hermione. Right. So she, they have this and they bring it to Moaning Myrtle. You kind of have to fight off Moaning Myrtle. And after you do, she just chucks Tom Riddle's diary at Ron's face. And it's a very slapstick. He goes flying out of frame. And Harry opens the diary and immediately gets teleported into the book. And then you've got the flashback scene with all of the Hagrid and Tom Riddle stuff. Hagrid looks exactly the same, which I thought was (laughs) fantastic. It's the exact same piece. They put in a little bit more effort in the film to make him look like a kid. I mean, you know, but he sound he was still Robbie Coltrane's voice. Yeah, but in this flashback, exact same Lego piece. We ever you you know you know those kids in like high school and middle school had like full beards, right? Oh yes, yes. Come on, Mm -hmm. guys. And I was certainly not one of them. No, me neither. I am 
almost 30 and I can almost grow a beard. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Get in there. One day I'll have puberty. So when you get back from the flashback, Ginny picks up the diary. And when she picks it up and opens it, it's it's just a Lego Tom Riddle head just laughing at her. And then that is what we assume is Tom Riddle possessing Ginny with the diary. When Hagrid gets confronted at his little hut, when they think he is behind all of the basilisks stuff. Harry and Ron are there, so they have to hide under the invisibility cloak. But while they're hiding, they keep drinking the tea (laughs) that Hagrid made for them. So Ron does a big slurp out of the tea, and then Harry has a biscuit in his hand and dunks it in the tea and eats it. So they're just doing a horrible job of hiding. Oh, it's just so funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, ooh, this is juicy. This is plot. You know, this is great. Let's, mm-hmm. let's, it's, it's the Michael Jackson popcorn meme from Thriller. It's just like, yeah, give me more. Yes, of course. I love the drama. And I like in this scene, the way that the Legos convey that someone is in trouble is that you open a scroll and then it has a picture of that person's face on it. <laughs> so they open a scroll for Hagrid to say, you are basically under arrest. And then same thing when Lucius comes in and does it for Dumbledore, you just unroll a scroll and if someone's photo is on it you know you are in trouble yep so then Hagrid does his thing nodding towards the spiders Harry and Ron follow them and the Aragog is legitimately terrifying similar to the snake it's made up of all the little pieces but the snake I thought looked cool Aragog was not a fan of. It's big, it's creepy, all the little pieces, not not enjoyable. It also sucks because this is where I got stuck for the longest. I had to Google how to do it because there's a nuance to the Wingardium Leviosa yeah. where if you're pushing and holding, let's say on PlayStation Circle, to levitate it, you then have to just let go and then push and hold Circle a second time to get it to spin. And that's how you like, and then it flings itself at Aragog. They did that with the gnomes, but if you just walked by the gnomes, which you absolutely are likely to do in the borough. Which I did, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, how do you defeat Aragog? And I think maybe in the remastered collection, they added an extra hint because I did see it come up at some point when I was struggling. But you have to really actually know because you can you can use Wingardium Leviosa and be using your joystick, but it won't spin unless you push it a second time. Little stuff, little things. They should have hired you as a play tester. It, that was it. That's my most hated. Yeah, that's my most hated weak spot of gameplay. Very few. There are very few moments where you can actually get stuck. The other bits of it have to do with how dark it is. Depending on your screen settings, you know, hiding a brick piece that, you know, has to be destroyed behind a plant that you think looks like it is part of the scenery and not like part of a plant plant. Like you said, the generic Lego plant that's everywhere. That's a huge problem as well. But I think they're just, they always tried to make it easier in subsequent games. So bless them. Mm-hmm, definitely. Very, very tiny nits for us to be picking, but overall pretty, pretty seamless. But there definitely are some frustrating moments with a game that doesn't, you know, it's sometimes annoying when you're playing a game and you have a character that full on says, you should try doing this, but you don't know <laughs> what you've got till it's gone. That's a great point. And yeah, it could be, it could be the other side of the spectrum. So yeah, that would never be great. So of course, the Fort Anglia comes in after the fight to save the day. And a thing that they've added so that player two isn't bored is it's not just a Fort Anglia, but also a motorcycle. So Harry rides on a motorcycle, Ron gets in the Fort Anglia, so that if you're player two, you aren't just sitting in a passenger seat. You actually get to do something in the level where you escape from the spider. So I thought that was a nice little ad. When you finish the escape scene, the car and the motorcycle drop you off, and then they fly away, and Ron landed with a pumpkin on his head, which is always great. 
pops it off. And then Ron and Harry go to see Hermione in the hospital wing. And the pose in which she is petrified is so funny. It's not flattering. No, she's got a funky looking face. She's got her arms and legs in all weird configurations. Not the greatest candid moment for Hermione to be frozen in. But Harry and Ron get the pages. And now there is new writing on the wall, which involves a picture of a basilisk coming out of a chamber and then an arrow, which really would have helped Ron and Harry in the books, I think, a lot more than trying to decipher puzzles and riddles and wordsmithery. Just, oh, we need to follow this arrow. Got it, got it, got it. Eventually, you get to the basilisk fight. Again, the basilisk looks so, so, so cool. Fox flies in, takes out the basilisk's eye. Then after you defeat the snake, there's a cutscene of Ginny dropping the diary and Riddle kind of shudders. So you realize, at least in the Lego canon, that the diary has a control over Tom Riddle where if you move it up, he flies up into the air. And if you move it down, he flies down. So Ginny just has a whole... Yes, exactly. Ginny just has a whole scene of flailing the book all around and smacking him into the ceiling and the walls and the ground. I mean, you go, girl. So much so where Harry has to stop her at one point. It's great. (laughs) He takes it away and she's like, you don't know what he's done to me all year. I mean, it's just, it's the perfect feminist moment. It's like, get him what he's got coming. It's Voldemort for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. It's really good. So Harry then eventually takes it and he takes a basilisk fang and stabs it and fox comes in picks them all up and at the end of the game you have fox eating a birdie bots bean that ron tried to grab you've got the lucius dobby scene with the sock but dobby instead of sending lucius flying with a spell does a spell that removes lucius's pants and he has bright pink lego underwear on yeah Interesting. Then you've got that iconic last scene in the Great Hall where they do it frame for frame as they do in the movie, which is when Hermione comes back, Ron is looking, and then Harry pops from behind. It's such a fun homage to the movies, and it's been used as such a fun gif all the time. But just to have that moment be exactly replicated with the Lego forms was just so heartwarming. I agree. It was really sweet. And then they do the Hagrid ovation scene, which I've made fun of at length in the movie it is about 15 minutes long of people clapping for Hagrid they still do clap for Hagrid but it is not as lengthy right you know what else is not as lengthy past Mike my contributions to the podcast editing Mike so to keep it short and sweet let's get right to Wingardium Madridosa Today's episode of Podrealist is brought to you by Shaker and Spoon. Later in this episode, I, Mike Schubert, will be talking about the joys of drinking at home. And one thing that can help increase the joy level of drinking at home is Shaker and Spoon. Shaker and Spoon is a subscription cocktail service that helps you learn how to make handcrafted cocktails right at home. So Shaker and Spoon sends you a box with ingredients and instructions to make three different drinks, four servings each of those three different drinks, all using the same liquor. All you need to do is provide the bottle of liquor and they provide everything else. The recipes are crafted by world-class mixologists. The boxes cost between $40 and $50 a month, making it a cost-effective way to enjoy craft cocktails. I've used it for a couple different parties where I just had a couple friends over. You can make 12 total drinks with one box, and we tried out all the different stuff, and it was just fun. We felt fancy, we were learning, and then I kept the recipe cards forever, and now I can just make those drinks. And as a Potter Hill listener, you can get $20 off your first box, so that's about 50% off if you go to shakerandspoon.com slash wizardon. Again, that's Shaker and spoon.com slash wizard on and you'll get $20 off your first box. So go to shakerandspoon.com slash wizard on, get $20 off your first box and start making some fancy cocktails to truly experience the joys of drinking at home in the simplest and fanciest way possible today. 
And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the market marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are, so it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club, and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want, and then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me, and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is slash so now we can get into year three and again maybe i'm attracted to lego people Aunt Marge looks great. She, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's a very handsome woman. She's got dashing looks. All the Marge stuff happens. She does get poked with a fork and knife to deflate her like a balloon. Ugh. And she flies all around the house. But post-Marge, when Harry is walking and sees the Grim, I this might be the, the time I laughed the hardest at a cutscene. But instead of just seeing the shadow of the Grim down a street in an alleyway or whatever, Harry walks by a playground. And the Lego dog is on one of those spinny things that gives you motion sickness 100% of the time. Yep. He's just very slowly using that and locking eyes with Harry. It is so funny. It's so funny. I burst out laughing when I saw this. I thought it was incredibly well done. Just so perfectly ridiculous. Just to have a dog using a playground set. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So the night bus shows up and the night bus does say night bus written on it. And it made me realize, I think the only uses of actual letters in this game are since when it had since 392 BC, they have it on the Hogwarts Express and they have it on the night bus. And I think that's it. There are some numbers, but I think that's the only letters that show up. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I mean, even on the Marauders map later, it's just their likeness. It's just their face photo. Yeah, it's just faces. Yeah. But a very funny thing with the night bus is when you have the iconic thing from the movie where it squeezes between two of the red double-decker buses, the pieces come out and reshuffle around and you see all the individual Lego pieces. And it makes the clickety-click sound of... Yeah, the classic click, 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 to make itself taller and thinner, and then they reform back. Oh, that's that's just the kind of stuff where when it happens, you just think, of course, and it's just perfect. There's no flaws. 
10 out of 10. Yeah, moments like that are the reason for the game. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Harry arrives at the Leaky Cauldron. The Weasleys are already there. Arthur warns him about Sirius. Lupin also looks great. Very suave mustache, very suave hair. Understandable. Uh When they're on the train, Lupin fends off the Dementor. And the chocolate bar is just one of those thin Lego pieces. It's just a singular square. It doesn't even look like a piece of chocolate. It's just a brown square. It's perfect. It's just like a Hershey bar, honestly. Yeah. Later on, we meet Crookshanks, who does look strange. I think sometimes the pets look very good. Other times, they look like Crookshanks. Very creepy looking like a cat. Not easy on the eyes. Well, we can't all be the cat from the beginning of the game. The, you know, McGonagall stand-in would be. No, yeah, the McGonagall cat looked very good. But Crookshanks, I guess, I don't know. It's interesting. His face all smushed. It's very in keeping with the canon. (laughs) So you've got the Boggart scene. And when you have the ridiculous Snape... It doesn't look fully like Neville's grandma clothes Snape. I noticed. But he does have a cat scarf, which I think is a very nice look. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I wonder, I I do wonder if that is not, in fact, one of the playable characters later, which means maybe you'd be able to customize it, maybe. That would be a huge miss opportunity if (laughs) that was not one of the characters, because I really enjoyed the Snape outfit. Yeah, I mean, they designed it for the game, so it's like, why not also play as it? You know, with 167 playable characters, I'm sure that that's one of them. I just, I didn't unlock it myself during the most recent playthrough. It's gotta be. Also, the Snape character is so fun. The permanent scowl, angry eyes that's on the Snape (laughs) It's really good. It's so it's just so grumpy. It's beautifully grumpy. Trelawney also looks really different. I did not recognize Trelawney at first. I guess it's just hard to do frizzy hair with a Lego piece because it has to be smooth plastic. So it took me a minute to realize who Trelawney was. I didn't realize it until she started doing very Trelawney-like crystal ball-y stuff. Yes. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's probably the biggest shock is Trelawney. Now, Harry, it's a very funny scene here. He's got his tea leaves and his are just a blob. So Trelawney takes them and then really slyly does a little spell and then goes, oh, when it's revealed to be the Grim which is very, very funny. We go to Magical Creatures, and Hagrid, of course, gives a chicken drumstick, a Lego chicken drumstick, to Buckbeak, uh. because that's the only meat that exists in Lego world, apparently. You get the very fun Harry Buckbeak flying scene, and Malfoy, instead of being rude to Buckbeak, he just throws a chicken like a Buckbeak's face, <laughs> and then Buckbeak lashes out, which I guess if you're not going to have... Malfoy be able to say mean words, throwing a chicken leg at someone's face, a drumstick to the face, I think is the rudest thing that you could do to Buckbeak. Yeah, yeah, it's equally unkind. Mm -hmm. Fred and George then give the Marauder's Map to Harry when he can't go to Hogsmeade. And the Marauder's Map is very fun. Like you said, it's just pictures of the faces moving around, which is great. A fun thing, different from the canon of the books, all three of them go into Honeydukes. So all of you arrive in Hogsmeade, and then you have a snowball fight with Draco, and he's got like a snow mecha. He's a snow tank. Yeah, mecha warrior. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just giant thing. And then what sparks the next cutscene is he shoots a giant snowball and it lands on top of himself and it rolls away. Just the Lego people really having fun playing within the space of deciding, no, this snowball scene, Draco's got snow machinery that he's fighting people with. Yeah, it's absurd, but in the best way. Absolutely. Harry then sneaks into the three broomsticks with the invisibility cloak. And before he overhears the teacher discussion, he sees three dementors just at a table drunk, which I think is 
a great addition. Yeah, like her harassing like patrons, just poor bar patrons not following the rules, being very rowdy, being <laughs> very inconsiderate to the wait staff. And... There's always those people at bars, and thankfully, since I haven't been to a bar in two years, I haven't had to interact with these people. Yeah. And I don't know the next time I'm going to a bar because you know what's fun? Drinking at home because it costs so much less. It really does. And you never have to flag down a bartender and you can get refills whenever you want and you can have your friends. You can actually hear what your friends are saying instead of screaming it across a room. It is harder to facilitate dance parties and stuff. That is a shortcoming that I will admit. But for the most part, Drinking at home, big fan of. <laughs> I just love the Dementors. There's plenty to not like about them. On, and, then, and then the Lego game has made them also rude to the waitstaff. Yes, <laughs> which, like, uh, a crime, uh, the truest of crime. As, as a former waiter, there is no clearer sign if someone is a bad person is to see the way that they treat the waitstaff or people that work in any sort of client-facing job. Yeah. That is the most telltale sign of a person's true essence is how rude are they to people in the service industry. That is a good serious black quote you just uh, paraphrased there. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look at me. If you want to know the measure of a man, look at how they treat their, well, he says inferiors, but he says not equals. You know, it's the same thing. It's the client. If these people are paid to deal with you, Try and make it as easy as possible, will you? This is why the the hill that I will die on is like how some countries, South Korea, makes you serve in the army for two years, for example. I feel like in America, every single person should have to work at a restaurant or some client-facing job 100%. for their senior year of high school, uh, <laughs> at least. It was very formative for me because I started being a server when I was 17 years old, and I just went into life with so much more of an appreciation for people in those kind of jobs so that you don't lash out on your waiter when your food is wrong because your waiter didn't cook it and also, it's not that big of a deal. Yep. So, McGonagall is then talking to Rose Murta, who I don't think looked like Rose Murta from the movies, but I did think had a really good look. She's got this very interesting short hair, which is very unique for a woman Lego piece. They usually have just the standard kind of long hair or ponytail or something. She had a good look, even though it looked very different from movie Rose Murta. I agree. It's, it's just... You know, it looks full. It's a good look. Mm -hmm. So you have this conversation between Fudge and McGonagall and Rosmerta, and the way that they convey all of the plot, and this is one of the harder things to do because book three's got really plot twisty, exposition dumpy scenes in it. And they basically use big versions of pictures and then using Harry Potter magic, the pictures move. Yeah. And it actually is really effectively done. I think it did a good job of conveying what is going on as much as you could without using any dialogue. I thought it was really well done. It's an amazing approach to problem solving. And yeah, like the Pettigrew tearing the street up with Rosmerta and Fudge and they're going through it. You later see just from a different camera angle and, and Sirius is like, oh no, this needs a different camera angle. And he <laughs> manipulates it and it's like, oh, this makes perfect sense. And it's just like, they cut through what in Prisoner of Azkaban, the book is like six chapters of dialogue. Mm -hmm. They cut through it in like, 30 seconds flat, it's nuts. It is well done in the way that I think the movie fell short, which is always my biggest gripe with movie three. And I like that the Lego game put some, some thought into it. So later on, you've got the scene where Hagrid is being approached that they're going to kill Buckbeak. And what you notice at first is the future Time Turner Harry thing is very funny because you've got a scarecrow that looks like Harry. So his way of hiding <laughs> was dressing up as a scarecrow out the window. And it's not 
explained? (laughs) This is really solid. It's one of those, if you know the joke, you know, otherwise you wouldn't really get it. It's not that big of a deal. Also, it's much more than just a pebble thrown to get the attention, but we'll get into that when they actually do the time turner stuff. There's a lot more scabbers in the scenes, but again, I think that's similar to Coral and Dobby being really upfront is to really drive home the importance of Pettigrew as scabbers. Scabbers is in so many of these cutscenes. They get to inside the Whomping Willow to get to the Shrieking Shack. The Whomping Willow also looks really cool, similar to the Basilisk and Aragog. It's made out of legitimate Lego pieces as opposed to just being a big plastic mold. And I thought that was very, very cool. It looks awesome. I agree. They actually, here's a uh, sort of a book canon, book trivia thing. Pettigrew actually needs uh, his wand to transfigure to turn into his animagus form. Yes. That didn't need to be in this game, but you better believe that the people who made this game knew that, that that was in the book, that that is a thing in the book and a thing that the movies overlooked and they put it back in. It's attention to detail and I appreciate it. So when they are inside the Shrieking Shack, Sirius is already there. When Lupin enters, he swings the door open and it hits Sirius in the face. Then they embrace and Snape enters. And when he opens the door, it slams (laughs) Lupin in the face. face. They're just really good slapstick comedy. I very much appreciated it. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't think that something like slapstick necessarily ages well, but with Lego, it's like they just get what worked and always make it work. It's hilarious. Really, really solid. Harry then just immediately yeets Snape out of there. <laughs> you don't have the triple Expelliarmus, but Snape just comes in and Harry's just blah, and then Snape is just gone. He just disappears. And the way that Lupin and Sirius get Pettigrew to transform from scabbers into a human is they set up a mousetrap with cheese on it and he gets caught in it and then turns into a person and it was so funny and it made me wish that if there was an alternate version, it would have been a mousetrap from the board game mousetrap made out of Lego pieces because that could have just been the next way to to yes and the joke even further. Absolutely. I mean, it's a very... It's just funny because you know what a mousetrap is, at least this current generation. I don't know about futures, but didn't expect to see it in this Harry Potter game. And it makes perfect sense. It's really well done. And then, yes, as you mentioned earlier, the way that Sirius and Lupin explain to the squad how... Pettigrew falls into all of this is by holding up that same picture, but then turning it and then the camera angle of the photo moves with it, and you see that actually Pettigrew is the one that set off the spell that kind of makes all of the Lego bricks and Lego people explode. Yep. When they go outside and Lupin turns into a werewolf, his Lego head shrinks and then is just replaced with a wolf head. His body is exactly the same except his little Lego hands instead of being the classic yellow are gray to match his wolf head and ah uh, it's just the little little lego just like that just they just work so well you've got the the whole scene with the dementors the stag is really fun the lego stag looks great and then when Hermione does the time turner, rather than be a necklace, which makes sense because the Lego pieces don't have fingers, so it'd be hard to do something really small. The time turner it looks exactly the same in terms of shape and hourglassness as it does in the movie. Yeah. But it's giant. It is a steering wheel sized time turner instead of a necklace. But if you're a Lego piece and you just have clamps for hands, that's what you got to do. You can't spin something really tiny. No. They go back in time. When Hermione throws stuff, more so than just a pebble, she throws a pebble, then she throws a pumpkin, and then she throws a spoon <laughs> through the window. <laughs> yeah, just whatever they can find. <laughs> Later on, when she has to do the thing to make the wolf noise, just yelling doesn't work. So in the game, you have to piece together a giant 
record player, basically. Yeah. And you use the big megaphone attachment to make the wolf noise. And when Lupin comes, he slides in with heart eyes and flowers like he's trying to woo this potential wolf, which is just really fun joke work. I love it. It's very Looney Tunes, too. Like, ow, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> when Dumbledore comes to save Harry after the Dementor attack, he picks up Harry very gently. McNair just drags Sirius by the leg and just drags him along the ground. <laughs> just, that was reminiscent for me of, in the book, Snape hitting his head because he's unconscious. And oh, yeah, Sirius yeah, yeah. is just careless about the bobbing along thing. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was really good. So Sirius is then locked in a cell at the top of the tower. Harry and Hermione fly up to save him. And this is where, I don't know if I am just too in love with Lego Island, but if while Sirius was in the prison cell, the Brickster was also oh, there, I would have my absolutely God. lost my mind. <laughs> the Brickster. That may be the biggest missed opportunity of the century. Maybe they, it was. it's just like so outside of the lore of Harry Potter that they wanted yeah. to keep all of the characters within the canon or the vibe or the aura, whatever. But to throw the Brickster in there, oh, man. You're right. When you're right, you're right. Could have been really, really funny. So Sirius escapes via Buckbeak. Harry gets the Fireball. And I'm so glad that they made fun of this. And now I get to talk about this because I didn't give it this fair share when I did the movie episodes about movie three because we were over time. Oh, God. Take it. Yeah, take it time here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That freeze frame at the end of movie three is so bad. And I did not clown it as much as it deserves. That whole scene is so wild that it happened. But they perfectly make fun of this. And this reminds me very much of Puffs of making fun of stuff in the Harry Potter franchise that lovers of the franchise realize is really bad and nonsensical. So it's dunking on something that frustrates a Harry Potter fan. And Harry zooms off on his fireball. And they get to the part where I thought the freeze frame is going to happen where he's from outside the castle. But he just zooms past it and keeps going. And the freeze frame happens. He is in outer space. You see <laughs> the entire earth behind he him. He just supermans it. He just flies there. <laughs> yeah. And the face that he's making is this obnoxious face because in the movie he does this yeah cheesy freeze frame. But in the Lego game, his tongue is sticking out, his eyes half closed, he looks not picturesque at all. Oh, it was just such a great make fun of this thing that we all despise moment. And just hats off to the Lego team for putting that in there. Yeah, totally hats. It's like, wow, we, you know, it shouldn't have uh, freeze framed there. We want to see what happens after. And then it's like, well, here's what happens after. He just keeps going. He just <laughs> never stops. And all of a sudden, he's in a black hole or something. Oh, man. So that's the end of year three. We get into year four, which I have significantly less notes about. There's, It's just not as much of a cutscene heavy game. I think because since the game centers mostly on the Triwizard Tournament, a lot of the things that you do in the game are actually playing out the stuff as opposed to cutscenes. Yes, 100%. And they really, I think, felt very confident for the first time in really mixing up character or like level design. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is like more your writing and, you know, well, we mentioned at the, or at the end of uh, Prison of Azkaban when you're up on the rafters of Hogwarts, you get another scene there. It, like they really just went balls to the wall with uh, level design. And so I, I agree, like this, the scenes themselves are very just functional. And they also do a creative job of finding ways to make two players still work in a story in which for the most part, it's just Harry does this, Harry does that. And they find a way to weave two player elements into all of it. And I really appreciate their dedication to that, to making a couch co-op game fun 
from start to finish, and there's no time where player two has to just sit back and wait for player one to progress the story. Yep, 100%. So your force starts, instead of having Frank the gardener get attacked, <laughs> you have a Lego milkman approaching the riddle house. <laughs> Why not, right? Because the little glass bottles of milk, they look amazing Lego vibe. Really, really funny. So he comes in, hears a creepy noise, the door opens, so he goes inside. At first, Nagini shows up behind him and he smacks it out of the way, yeah. but then Nagini gets back up. Barty Crouch Jr. looks great, very on brand for being played by David Tennant, and and then the milkman runs away from Nagini, but gets blasted by Voldemort, who, in his baby form, exclusively makes baby goo goo gaga noises, which is just a great, great joke. I very much appreciated. Yeah. So you've got them going to the Quidditch World Cup. The Weasleys and Harry approach Cedric and Amos trying to find the porky, but it's just assorted junk in a field that they are trying to find. There's a washing machine and some other just <laughs> the land fill type items and then finally Arthur picks up the boot and then they use that as the port key and then again keeping on the line of things that were kind of silly in the movie when you have the part where you're leaving them all grabbing in a circle in the port key and in the movie the diggeries and Arthur kind of dance and jig their way out of the port key. They make fun of this with a Lego thing and they bust out some truly hilarious dance moves as they leave the port key. Always a weird thing and I watched the movie. Why, what was that? <laughs> yeah, uh, don't know, but uh, the Lego people have an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so then you've got the Quidditch World Cup, which they really reduce, which I, as someone who does not like Quidditch, very much appreciated, but they keep the festival element true to form. One thing you see is a big pumpkin juice tent. There's a worker who falls into a giant vat of pumpkin juice. There's a guy that is juggling the classic Lego frogs. And then it just immediately cuts to the Death Eaters destroying the festival of the grounds, as opposed to having all the other stuff happen. So they just cut right to the chase. I am in favor of this rewrite. Yeah, uh, it definitely, you know, streamlines the whole story and you don't get hung up on the details. See, that's the thing. It's like, there's no shortage of detail hidden in these Lego games, but for the people who are playing this game strictly to get to the end of the game, they're going to make it as painless as possible. And without dialogue, you really don't need all the backstory of Winky and right. the various flying carpet regulations that Arthur goes and talks to his, you know, like, I think you rescue those wizards, actually, which is pretty neat. Uh, the guys he would have been talking to. But uh, yeah, it just puts you straight in the action. It's just a really good, that's the whole point. Like what video gaming has to consciously be aware of is how much is doing versus telling. Yeah. And it's harder with Goblet of Fire specifically because it is such a bigger book yeah. than the other ones. There's much more extra stuff. So it is a tougher task for the video game creators to decide what stays and what goes. But I think they do an effective job. I agree. So the Death Eaters come in and you very plainly see Barty Crouch Jr. in the aftermath. You see him shoot the dark mark into the sky, which looks very cool. Yeah. So it's pretty clear that he is behind this stuff. You get to Hogwarts and you see the Durmstrang boat arrive and there's a guy just riding on the top of the crow's nest, just kind of going, ah, 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 and then the boat comes up. Yep. I don't know why, but it just it just tickled me so much. I was not expecting a dude to just be riding on top of the boat. That would be me. Again, magic. It's like, pop some gillyweed and go ride. On. Yeah, I think I want to ride on the mast today. <laughs> I think I want to take the crow. We got this underwater ship. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> so 
Then the flying carriage comes in. You've got the Durmstrang boys and the Bobaton girls coming in. The Durmstrang hats are very funny because they are enormous. They are absolutely gigantic on the people's heads. It's very great. Maxime is really funny just as a much bigger Lego piece. When she goes to say hi to Dumbledore, Dumbledore has to stand on top of a book. And when she does the French kissing of Dumbledore to say hello, you cut to Hagrid, who gets very upset and bangs his fists Uh. on the table in jealousy, which is just so fun. Calm down, Hagrid. You're being toxic. (laughs) When the goblet is revealed, Fred and George immediately try to touch it, and they just get blasted away. And then very soon after, you have them trying to do the old aging spell thing. They also get blasted away. And you've got the scene of picking all the people. You don't get the, did you put your name in the goblet of fire thing, which I expected since they made fun of the movie three ending, yes. I was expecting them to make fun of that where maybe a Dumbledore would shake Harry so much his Lego head would pop off or something. Yeah. But unfortunately, that was not there. That was a bit of a letdown for me. Hagrid showing Harry the dragons. Unfortunately, no Charlie Weasley, keeping with the movie and their Charlie Weasley erasure, which uh. I cannot stand for. But a fun thing that they add is that Hagrid, in his wooing of Maxime, tries to make a full-on dinner in the woods for her with a table and chairs and candles and all this stuff. I appreciated the extra mile that the game put into Hagrid's love of Madame Maxime. Yeah. So one thing, as I mentioned, trying to make two-player elements in more Harry solo tasks, Harry and Hermione do the dragon task. Because with the whole Rita Skeeter thing, they kind of just get teleported into the task itself. The chase becomes much more lengthy and extends to where you have to run through the castle as well. So it's just a really fun way of the game finding a creative solution to the problem of we're trying to make this game two-player friendly. What can we add to do so? And I thought it was well done. Yeah, and you mentioned Crash Bandicoot. This is the classic facing towards the screen This is 100%, you know, Crash Dash or Boulders, whatever the Rolling Rocks levels are throughout the series that that really was pioneered then. And it's a good, you know, I don't know if it's an intentional homage because you're being traced by a dragon, but it's very much the same thing. And, you know, credit where it's due, Crash Bandicoot did it first, but this was amazing to see, you know, remastered in this Lego Harry Potter collection. It was great. And those were always my favorite levels in Crash Bandicoot. So I'm glad that they found their way into this game as well. So they also, throughout the cutscenes, there's lots of moody whispering to people. So again, I think just really putting the villain at the forefront so it's very clear what's going on. And the way, the way that Cedric conveys to Harry to take the golden egg into the bathtub is that Cedric comes out wearing a shower cap and gives a rubber duck to Harry. That's, that's just like such a fun, creative way of trying to get across dialogue that I really appreciated this game doing. I thought it was, uh, it's just, they do such a good job of it. It's impressive. Yeah. They really do. You would you would think that that would be their only obstacle that they had to work on. But no, it's just one of so many that they pulled off so seamlessly. Again, I mean, can you tell I like this game? But it, it's exactly right. Mm-hmm. So when Harry actually goes into the prefect's bathroom to open the golden egg, the Myrtle scene is just really turned up to 11 in that when she is preparing the bath and stuff, she turns into five identical synchronized swimmer versions of herself <laughs> and does a whole routine in... <laughs> 
in the bath, which is very fun. Harry's able to figure out the whole mermaid thing and stuff. And then when you actually get to task two, I will say Crumb's swimsuit that he's wearing looks really cool. He's got a really fun design on the chest. I am not surprised at all to hear you say that. Yes, I agree. So they do the whole second task. You get into the third task and really not very cutscene heavy, but the next one is you actually have when you finish the tasks inside of the maze themselves, which you play just through the gameplay. When you get into the cup, you've got the cutscene of Harry and Cedric touching it at the same time. And you teleport to the graveyard and baby Voldemort, again, making baby noises, <laughs> turns into adult Voldemort. And when he comes out, he has glasses on and he throws them aside, which is just a classic misdirective. I did not see this coming at all. And when he showed up, I, I questioned myself, like, well, why is he wearing glasses? And then he immediately tosses them to the side. And I realized, oh, of course. He doesn't have glasses. <laughs> then you've got the Priori Incantatum scene, which looks really cool. You've got ghost mom and dad showing up. And the way that they get around Cedric, again, so that you have a two-player element, the way that you get around Cedric dying right off the jump is that he's there the whole time in this level. But when you go to leave after the Priori Incantatum fight with Voldemort, you both go towards the cup. And then in the cutscene, Voldemort shoots an Avada Kedavra spell in your general direction. And it hits Cedric as he grabs grabs the cup, so when you show up on the other end, Harry's okay, but Cedric busts into pieces, his leg separates from his torso, his arms go flying, his head pops off, and Cedric's dad, Amos, is very upset. But then, and this is one of my favorite jokes, Dumbledore reassures Amos by handing him Lego instructions, a legit instruction book on how to put the pieces back together, and Amos is put at ease, and it's just... The Lego humor to put Lego instruction manuals into the game yes. is just perfect. It's absolutely perfect. A hundred percent. But meanwhile, when you think of the movie and it's just Amos going, my boy, heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching, soul-wrenching, everything is just on the floor. This amount of levity here is extremely welcomed. Like, I needed it as a balm. Yeah, in such a funny game where... They, as you mentioned, bring in humor from the book that isn't found in the movies, naturally. Then also on top of that, lots of slapstick bits and Lego jokes and Harry Potter jokes and stuff like that. It would have felt weird to have a serious moment, especially because this is very close to the end of the first video game. I am glad that they found a funny way to make a Lego joke and then also make the player rest assured, Cedric's okay. You just got to put his pieces back together. He, he'll be fine. He's a Lego. <laughs> Come on. He's a Lego. So then the moody reveal is that he basically just has a, a snake tongue coming out of his mouth and his magic eye rolls around a lot before you have the scene where he actually turns back into Barty Crouch Jr. And then you just have the Durmstrang people leaving and you have the Bobaton people leaving and all of the characters that you know and love and you've been playing throughout these levels all wave goodbye. And it's at this point that I realize, oh, wow, we never had any Cho Chang in the mix. Like, the, this is it. Game over. She did not show up at all. The Yule Ball was completely avoided, but... You got to cut what you got to cut. They really made year four just the Triwizard Tournament, and I it makes sense. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. And I it's safe to say Cho is going to be in the next game, uh, which is great. <laughs> but yeah, it, it really just, you know, super streamlined and like, I don't know what kind of deadlines they were at for, or even just disc capacity too, you know, <laughs> right back in. Ugh. But uh, but yeah, it's just... They did what they could do. And they made a great game. So, Eric, thank you so much for joining on and talking about it. Any any other final thoughts before we close the chapter on the first Harry Potter Lego game? Well, just to reiterate, thank you for having me on. And uh, you ever 
beat a video game in the story mode. And then, you know, that little progress bar at the bottom comes back and says you're at like 36% because absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) That is this game for sure. Oh man. But now, I mean, now that I've got the coolest spells, I can go back and roam. And it's just playing this in preparation for this episode, playing this game has really reawoken in me the love for this game. And uh, I think I will be uh, going through on a journey to 100% completion. And good luck. Good luck on your journey. I wish you all the best. Personally, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, so that's where I'll be next couple of weeks. Fantastic. If people want to find you doing stuff podcast-wise, internet-wise, where can they do so? Yeah, weekly over at MuggleCast. That's a weekly Harry Potter podcast. We're doing lots of really cool, awesome topics. We're actually just having a, a crossover episode with the Swish and Flick nice. hosts, uh, which is going to be really, really good for Pride Month. And then my personal podcast, thank you for speaking is just about to celebrate its first year anniversary and that is a slightly more irregular podcast i just do it uh when i have a topic that i'm passionate about but it's been very well received and uh my most recent guest is my mother oh amazing you love to hear it (laughs) so great well eric thank you for joining listeners thanks for listening and as they say in the wizarding world of harry potter before they fly into outer space for a freeze frame wizard Wizard on. on If you haven't already, you should check out some of the other shows that are a part of the Multitude Collective. I think you'd like Join the Party. Join the Party is a collaborative storytelling and role-playing podcast powered by the rules of Dungeons & Dragons. In the first campaign for Season 1, they explored fantasy adventure, intrigue, magic, and drama, and they're currently in Season 2, which has a new story, which is tackling science, superpowers, a better future, and the responsibility to help others. Some of your favorite Multitudes help make this show a reality. Eric Silver serves as your DM. Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Brandon Grugel, all are players, and it's a really fun time. I'm a big fan of the show. I think you will be as well. And in addition to doing the storytelling episodes, each month they sit down for the after party where they break down their game and answer your questions about how to play D&D and other role-playing games at home. It's a party and you're all invited, so you can search for Join the Party in your podcasting app or go to jointhepartypod.com. Potterless was created by McShubert. It is hosted by McShubert. It is edited by McShubert. It is produced by McShubert as well as Vicky Garcia, Christine, Aaron Johnson, Klauser, Lopu, Marchismo, Juan Sanfeliu, Rosemary, Dajmarie, Lisa C. Keen, Audra, Eleanor Curlin, Nikita Power, Rachel Guthrie, Alex Consulver, John Kotker, Noel Basile, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Veronica Bartova, Lada Bartova, Noah, Jennifer Marklu, Justin Montero, Jacob Parrish, Maya Gray, Polly Burge, Zena Rosnowski, Harlan Haskins, Nikki Harris, Kine, Sarah Shedder, Marta Morrison, Flor Sake, Skyla Lily, Edel Ryan, Professor Threat, Ellie Hoskovchova, Michael David Yordi, Kelly O'Tilly, Kerry Crumpler, Connie Binkowski, Jen Went, Nedry OS, Will Huser, Marae Kariga, Ashton Gabrielson, Brittany Gutierrez, Phelan, The Meadows Family, Ginny from the Block, Heather Langeel, Kevin Stewart, Jarls Fiven, Peter McGrath, Callahan Andares, Bella Barlack, Melanie Demi, Reese Dignan, Joseph Torp, Madison, Don't Call Me Nymphadora, Sabrina Balsaker, Sophie Loves Pigs, Farzan Jarabat, Melanie DeGrave, Matt Barger, Okamahime, Boney Pony, Kelsey Gillespie, Rike Mango Jensen, Taylor Payne, Megan Moon, Riley Kiedis, Laurel Happy, Erica Butler, Kendra Hertz, Natanya Page, Yogan Shanley, Darcy Alexandra Harrison, Sandra Rose, Craig McRoberts, Demi Lynn, Michelle Spurgeon, Henry Rika Wolf, Casey Canales, Megan Stampin, Jack Skitzes, Dane Nemcher, Little One, Ilaria Vicentin, Gregory Hughes, Call Call Mother Feathers, Ribbon Monstrosity, Jack Parr, Serenity Allen, Haley Hastings, Sabrina Casanova, Jenny Browers, Eileen Gazesh, Annette Pipitone, Hufflepuff Alumni, Brett Clausen, Mary Price, Artemis, Samantha McNamara, Nina Campley, Tatiana Schmidt, Carries Davies, Little Vomit Spiders Running Around, Punkfish, Wire Warrior 4976, Joe Sander, Michael Peavy, Maya Saunders, Jasmine Ellis, Neely, Tate Sasson, Sam Sam Reby, Adriana Hernandez, John Savio, Jody Dunamorphine, Nash Sanadiki, Emma L. Oscar, Thomas, 
Dawson, Sean Kirkoba, Greg Bonastali, Matthew J. Moreland, Ping Vinatchek, Nani, Emma Kui, Tof Baifong, Steamed Nuggets, and Cat Eye Potter. Web design by Kelly Schubert, our intern is Sherry Guo, and the music is by Bettina Campamanis. If you want to find us on social media, you can at facebook.com slash Potterless, twitter.com slash Potterless Pod, instagram.com slash Potterless Podcast, and reddit.com slash r slash Potterless. For any and all information about the show, you can go to PotterlessPodcast.com. If you want to get tickets to our tour, you can go to PotterlessPodcast.com slash live. Merchandise lives at PotterlessPodcast.com slash merch, and bonus content lives at Patreon.com slash Potterless. If you think of someone that might enjoy the show, you could tell someone about that, whether you reach out to them directly, or you talk about it on social media, or you leave us a rating on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use. Those things all really help. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, wizard on! With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.